Cheers, everybody. Kyle Brandt's basement, a.k.a. Kyle Brandt's hotel room from London, England, in the United Kingdom, in Europe, across the Atlantic Ocean. Thrilled to be talking to you. Thrilled that you're watching. Thanks for joining us. We got all kinds of fun stuff to talk about today. We're going to talk about um, takes on takes is going to be fantastic. We have two heavyweights. We have Chris Mad Dog Russo versus Michael Irvin. That'll come in just a few minutes. We're going to talk about installing car seats in a lot of the public figures and media pundits who have weighed in on my thoughts on it, their take on my take. And uh, we have some family confessional coming up, a couple of people who have all kinds of things they want to purge their shortcomings as a wife, as a husband, as a parent. I am in London. I just did a double-decker bus tour. I really did. Unapologetic tourists drove around, rode around this whole city. I saw where William Wallace was executed and drawn and quartered and torn apart and all that and screamed freedom and all that. I doubt he actually screamed freedom, but Mel Gibson did. That was kind of crazy. And we saw Big Ben. Uh, Big Ben, the the bell was not working. And I turned to my uh, my NFL cohorts and I made a really cool joke. I said, you know, in our world, uh, Big Ben also had a bell that stopped working and its name was Le'Veon. And they didn't laugh. And I didn't think it was that good. But I thought at least the Lord will laugh. Give me something. Give me a snort if you're watching right now. Huh. Yeah. Tied them all together. That's what I do here. I also talk about what I love, what I hate, and you know it. What's hilarious. Let's go. Wednesday in the NFL world is the day you turn the page, like Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. Tuesday, you put it to rest. Wednesday, you turn the page. And so we turn the page to a right, nice, juicy Sunday Night Football matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. You want to know what I love? I love the matchup, sure. But that would be too easy to say. Everybody loves the matchup. I already love the Monday morning takes. Already. That's five days from now. And I'm already excited to just... Hear that rooster crow on Monday morning, sip that coffee, and just have people start bellowing their thoughts and overreactions on the either 2-2 two and two Buccaneers or the 2-2 two and two Kansas City Chiefs. One of these teams is going to lose two straight, and the sky's going to be bleeping falling. I can't wait. Maybe I'll be somebody screaming about it. Here's the deal. It's a good game, right? You got Brady. You got Mahomes. You have the rematch of the Super Bowl. One of the more memorable Super Bowls, I think, in the last 10 years for sure my thought on that Super Bowl was always, you knew going in that the Chiefs offensive line was screwed. You knew the Bucks' defensive line was incredible and their linebackers were so fast. And it played out exactly that way. And Patrick Mahomes was a running from the Bulls in Pamplona for four quarters. He lost the Super Bowl. He didn't play well statistically. And yet my respect for him skyrocketed in that loss. It felt to me like an NBA player who had 68 points and still lost by 15 because the team just wasn't around him. It was like some of those LeBron's finals teams when he was especially really young, where you're like, wow, he is definitely the best player in this series, but they don't have a shot to win it. That was the Chiefs game. I always loved that game. All the winning that Mahomes has done, the loss by him in which he was just doing acrobatic throws and running for his bleep in life was really my favorite Mahomes game. So we have a rematch of that. Same team, same stadium, scene of the crime. It was right there in Tampa. The weekend played, all that stuff. That was that game, and now they're going back at it. But again, somebody has to lose. And when that team loses, the takes are just going to be raining down from the take gods. So let's just say it's the Chiefs, okay? Now they're 2-2. Two and two. They lost to the, the Colts. They lost to the Bucks. 
I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, Tyreek is undefeated, just cruising, having a grand old time. Will probably be 4-0 after they beat the Bengals because the Dolphins are on fuego. Uh, and there's going to be takes about, was Mahomes really propped up by Tyreek even more than we thought? You're going to have to revisit some of that unrest between Mahomes and Biennemi, which we saw last week. We'll see how that plays out today. You're going to have to talk about, well, Travis Kelsey is, you know, he's great, but he's getting old fast. He's no spring chicken. And all these wide receivers, these Jujus and Marquez Valdez Scantlings and Sky Moores, like they're they not Tyreek. No one is Tyreek. The other AFC talent is rising. There's better teams that are coming to get them. This whole Chiefs supposed dynasty is falling apart right in front of us. What if Mahomes never gets to another Super Bowl after that losing that one to Tampa? And we thought Mahomes was going to have seven Super Bowl rings. Um, they have the week five. They have the Raiders who might be 0-4. Got to win that game. And then they have a team called the Buffalo Bills on week six. So there will be lots, lots of Chiefs takes if they lose it. That's just the way the Chiefs are. They've been so good that the second they go 2-2, two and two, which is, you know, it's not 0-8. It's fine. The takes will be coming. And just wait until you get your Brady takes going. Because if the Bucks lose 2-2, two and two, and let's say they lose in like 30-13 to 13, or even 30-20, to 20, and they just don't have the offense. Then it's the Tom Brady experience. There's just something in the air. And I would ask you right now, don't you feel that Brady and the Bucks are weird right now? And I, we've been through everything with Brady. My entire adult life has been watching Tom Brady. And there's been ups and downs. And it's it's the New England was Camelot. It was nonstop Shakespearean drama up to and including suspensions, uh, literally murder. It was always something. All of that. But this team, it's none of that. It just feels off. And you hear the stuff about his personal life. You see him on the sideline throwing the tablets. And it just seems off. So if you lose again, is Brady committed? Is he in? I think we just had the uh, the, the the woman who wanted to see if I wanted turn down service. I'm in a hotel right now. You know, one of my kids come into the basement and I say, look, I told you it was my basement. It's not some studio. That was just a woman saying, excuse me. Because she's like a, the housekeeping woman. And I love her and I respect her. I don't want turned on service. They just fold your blankets down and put a mint. It's good. Anyway, the Brady takes. Um, doesn't have the weapons around him. You know, the only times we've really seen him succeed over the last several years, he has a whole list of weapons and Gronks and Mike Evans and Godwins and Scotty Millers. And he had to leave New England because he had no good receivers there at all. That's going to be there. Can't be elite without him. Maybe it's time. Maybe he stayed a year too long. Maybe it's finally cut off with him. And that's not even the rest of the team. Todd Bowles doesn't have the magic as head coach. There was that special glint in the eye that uh, Bruce Arians had when he was coaching this team. I don't know. They're, they're coming. Believe me. I don't know if they should be coming. They're both two and two and have really good quarterbacks and players, and it's really early. But the hell with it. Screw it. Just go out and rain them down. They will. And I'm going to like it. You know the popcorn gift where the guy has a thing of popcorn and just lies back and sets it, starts eating it? Or you know the guy who has the chair and goes, whoosh, and he sets the chair down to watch? That's you and me Monday morning, my friends. It's going to be really fun. That's what I love. Now, let's go to the American Football Conference to talk about something that I hate. I hate how I feel about Lamar Jackson. I feel actually nervous about Lamar at this state in the season because he's been spectacular, spectacular through three weeks. Everyone's oohing and eyeing about Jalen Hurts, and he's been great, and everything the Dolphins are doing, and Josh Allen, of course. But like Lamar has been unbelievably good, better than he was to start his actual MVP season. They lost that game to the Dolphins. That had nothing to do with Lamar. Lamar was amazing for the entire game. He got off to a huge lead. He had a, about a 78-yard touchdown run, and yet. 
we're still at this stupid phase where he doesn't have a contract. And normally I don't really care who makes what or who gets paid what. This guy I do. I, I don't I don't know how you feel personally about Lamar, but I also don't know how someone doesn't like Lamar. Obviously, incredibly entertaining to watch for all of us who just have our football lust sitting on the couch and we want to see crazy athletes do crazy things. He does them every week. He seems like a really good guy. I like how he handles the media for the most part. The players around the league seem to love him. The teammates seem to love him. It's almost like he's kind of undefeated at this point. And yet just the Ravens won't pay him. And he's still sticking to this thing, I guess, where he won't talk about the deal once the season starts, which I don't understand. And I'll say this again. He doesn't have an agent. If he had just your standard issue Drew Rosenhaus or Jerry Maguire, he would have a deal now. He just would. Someone would sit down and make it happen, and maybe it wouldn't be Deshaun Watson money, and maybe it wouldn't be the most in the league, but he would have a top five quarterback salary, and you just put it to bed, and you try to win Super Bowls the best you can, but he doesn't. And it's going to be a real, real football shame if he goes out there and gets rolled up or blown out in his lower body or something like that, and it's just, oh my God, he had the full tear or the break. I don't even want to talk about it, but why not? We're all thinking it. I'm sure the Ravens are thinking it in some regard. You know who's thinking it? Ed Reed. Ed Reed talked about it. The you know, Obviously, a Ravens icon. He says, uh, Lamar needs to know that the Ravens are a business and that he needs to protect himself until he's paid. So what does that mean? He runs out of bounds? He doesn't? He slides in the pocket? That's, he's never going to do that. Lamar has this like, like joyful, almost childlike way about playing that even he kind of approaches his contract deal the same way. I'm not going to talk about that. You guys, he makes jokes about it with the media. It's kind of not a joke. And it's a really, really unprecedented thing that we're seeing where this level of quarterback has no representation, no long-term deal. Like, this is it. It's If if he were something were terrible were to happen to Lamar Jackson, a terrible injury. You know, look at Miles Garrett just got in a crazy car accident that I think he's lucky to walk away from. Anything like that. It's just kind of over. There's no long-term thing. And maybe that's no skin off your back as the sportsman, but that's just not how things are done. You don't have a quarterback who has been in the playoffs multiple times, who's won an MVP, who's just going over and over and over and not extended. And we had Josh on yesterday. And I had set this up by saying a couple years ago, I talked to Josh Allen and he was still on his rookie contract. And I said, hey, you know, what do you think about when you hear the words uh, franchise tag? And he goes, he literally said, ew. And we kind of laughed about it. But so he got his deal and like Josh is taken care of as he should be. And yet Lamar's just out there running around trying to juke safeties and taking hits. I said, Josh, Lamar did is doing this with no agent, no long-term deal. Would you have been able to do that? Here's the response. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple ways you can look at that. Like I think himself, him betting on himself, like and the way that he's playing is gonna, it's gonna pay off. Um, and again, there's that internal belief that he thinks that things are gonna work out and he's gonna stay the course. And um, the fact that it doesn't have a deal is kind of crazy. Uh, but I'm, I'm sure there's one coming soon. Uh, and if it's not with them, it's gonna be with somebody else. Um, he's, he's that special of a player, and um, you know, he's, he shows it on the football field week in and week out. Um, but yeah, that's, I don't know if I could have done it. So, you know, props mm-hmm. and kudos to him. And, you know, hopefully it does get done. Um, you know, we're, we're, I think everybody really in the league and outside the league is pulling for him for that to get done. Because again, I think uh, he deserves every penny that he's going to get.
I think people are pulling for it too. Sidebar, I liked what Josh said about, I'm sure a deal is coming, and if it's not from them, it'll be from somebody else. There are so many thirsty fan bases and people that I know who have concocted this theory that they're going to end up with Lamar Jackson. We've talked about this before here. The Bill Belichick deep dive uh, theories about how the Patriots are somehow going to land Lamar uh, are amusing. But Bill Belichick is unapologetically smitten with him, and so is he with, with Bill Belichick. I have a friend who's a Giants fan who says Lamar will be the Giants starting quarterback. <laughs> I don't even know how that would necessitate the Ravens not tagging him and just letting him walk in free agency. I mean, I guess the only way they would do that if he did suffer a major injury and they say, I think we're just kind of done with him. I don't It's just all bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. I, you and I, we don't have our lives changed if Lamar signs a $260 million deal. But in a way, part of our lives is watching football. And a really cool part of watching football right now is watching Lamar Jackson play football. And I want to see him do that for a long time. And I would like to see late career Lamar Jackson. How's he going to look in six or seven years when he slows down a little bit? Does he just stand back there and start zipping it all over? I'd like to see him do it with the Baltimore Ravens. And every time he plays it down for them without a long-term contract, I'm not his agent. I'm not his mother. But I don't care. I feel like a um, sense of nervousness with it because I like him as a fan. And I wish I could be friends with him so I could text and be like, Lamar, I-, I respect it and everything. But just get a bleeping agent. That's it. You'll get a contract done in 10 minutes. That's all it take. In the meantime, I hate that I feel nervous about it. But let's cleanse the palate. Here's what's hilarious. So you, you're in the old content biz and you, you chum the waters for the sharks and you, you try to talk about this topic and maybe people will react to that. And here's something I feel passionate about. And I really feel this is this is something that people will, will believe in and understand. And you put it out there and you just get crickets. It's like, nope. You missed the mark on that one, dude. No one really cared. No one really responded. And then sometimes you're just being silly and talking nonsense. And a lot of people care. What's hilarious is the response that I have gotten this week from car seat people. By car seat people, I mean parents who have frustrations with installing car seats into their cars for their children. Let me tell you what I mean. I'm here in London, and we were asked a couple days ago, I think it was yesterday, on Good Morning Football about, so, you know, the Pro Bowl is gone, basically. They finally said, no more tackle football. We're going to have a flag football game. And that is a real story. But also, there's going to be all kinds of activities that are around the weekend that the players will do. And Jason Kelsey, in true Jason Kelsey form, said there should be a hot dog eating contest for the offensive linemen. And I'll just line up me against anyone you want to put out there, Trent Williams, anybody, and I can eat a hot dog faster than him. And that's fine. But the question posed to us was, what other activities would you like to see the players involved in on Pro Bowl weekend. Now that the Pro Bowl is finally going to change. Here's what I said. I want to take all the dads. I want to get like a dad thing, yeah. like a specific dad activity. If you want to see me turn into a bleeping werewolf, <laughs> the most angry I will ever get, I want a car seat installation yes! event. All right? Oh. You can pull the car up. And here's that this car seat, amazing. and who can install it the fast? You gotta put it in, and then you got your knee down, and you yeah. gotta push, and you go, don't talk to me. And then you have to buckle it, and it is, I have taken those things and thrown them across the LaGuardia parking garage. I wanna see who has the patience, the dexterity, the strategy. I mean, it's so hard, and it's, it's your child's safety is at risk, so the stakes are really high, and your wife is just yelling at you. Yes. And she, do you want me to do it? And I'm just, it's car seat ever, safety installation. Hey, you have to go event. on YouTube. Real question. Forget YouTube. Have you ever asked another man 
to put in your car seat. Sure. I would ask. I would pay. I, I, I go to the fire station. Here's my money. Here's my dignity. And just put my car seat in, sir. And then my wife has a crush on him because the fireman, it's just, it's a disaster. I want to do all that. So you, you, you hoot and holler about car seats and you just being silly like we do on that show. And you think that's just kind of a dad observation. No one cares. People care. I, I've been in this business a long time. People are, are just stopping me in the street to be like, man. The car seat thing. I, I, I've never felt more seen. <laughs> I, I, you. It's like you were inside my head. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be there, and I'm glad that I'm not the only one that feels that way. I should add, uh, my, my wonderful wife is amazing at the car seats, and that story was kind of baked, taken from the beginning of my parenthood when we only had one kid and we're first getting into it. I don't know how to do it. Now we have it down to a science. Now the science is very simple. I don't do it, and Brooke does it in five seconds, and that's simple. We could go to the parking garage in an airport, wherever it may be, at home. She's got it. But we know she's got it because she knows, and she's like, I have to do the car seats because Kyle gets very emotional if he has to do it. So we have it down now. But before, I'm telling you, it was that bad. And so I say that. And I, look, I'm not, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here. I'm just trying to say, if you're listening now or you didn't see that or you did – do you feel me? Are you a parent? Have you had the same thing? Here's some parents that just decided to tweet in response and that they had Rich Eisen, a coworker of mine, co-signed, he says, on the car seats. And it's been years since I had to do this. So Rich is now still dealing with the scar tissue as his children are older. But the second he saw it, he's like, oh, yeah, I don't care if it was five years ago, 50 years ago. The car seat rage is unparalleled. Next, uh, one of the journalists for the NFL media group, Mike Giardi, he says, true story. I sent one about 75 feet at the Fort Myers airport (laughs) after sweating through a shirt, trying to install one in a rental. This is so good. I needed at least half the day of not talking to anyone to get into vacation mode. Mike, that is so good because you hit on something that's big in the car seat installation game. And that's the sweat. And it's the sweat. You, you sit and you try to be calm and you get in there and it starts going poorly and you're awkward and you're uncomfortable and you're twisting and the time is ticking and the kids are screaming and you just feel that icy bead go right down past your rib cage and into the band of your underwear and that's where you ha- that's where they have you. That's where you're in the quicksand. That's when you're just sinking because you don't believe anymore like Artex and the never-ending story. More tweets. Uh, Jeff Schwartz, NFL pundit, former NFL lineman, obviously a parent. He tweets, uh, always up in a full sweat, always ends up in a full sweat doing this. The sweat, I told you, doesn't matter the time of year. Jeff, you're right. You could be uh, the day Christmas Eve. It's, it's 26 degrees below zero. Doesn't matter. Sweat, hot sweat, cold sweat, car seat sweat, unparalleled. How about this? Elizabeth Banks, you know the movie star? She's in everything. She's in the Hunger Games movies. She's in the Pitch Perfect movies. She showed up in 40-Year-Old Virgin and like stole the movie. Very, very talented. She's a director now. She tweets that says, my husband sent this to me because he's never felt so seen. Hashtag wild animal. That's Elizabeth Banks. Always been a big fan of her work. And now I feel... uh, She's so much more relatable because she understands the wild animal factor because she's seen it. Her husband and her Elizabeth Banks' husband, I don't know her his name, but sends it to Elizabeth. Be like, look at this, honey. This is me. 
And you know what the problem is? It's so distinct with the car seat installation, distinct from other types of DIY little tasks. And I'll tell you why. Let's say you get a bookcase and it is your job to put that bookcase together. And that is your Saturday at 10, 16 a.m. activity. You've done breakfast. It's not time for lunch. Like, I got to get to that bookshelf. And you, you get on your hands and knees and you work and you're in the instructions and you, you fight and you claw and you scratch. And at the end, you got yourself a bookshelf. It's wobbly as hell. It, it's I don't know how it's going to hold up. And you got like seven screws that are clearly meant to be used, but you don't you didn't use them. And you're just like, I, these should probably be in there. I didn't do a great job with this. You know what you do? You push that thing against the wall and you put some books on it. You can't do that with the car seat because it might end up hurting your child. It's not, you don't worry about the book safety. That car seat has to be tight and it has to be secure. Mine even has one of these little, like the level on it with that little water cylinder that has the bubble that has to be in the middle. So the child's, you know, soul or something is balanced. So they're in the car seat. So if that bubble's a little askew, or if you got extra parts, or if that belt thing isn't tight as it should be, it's not the bookshelf. It, it's, it is a guilt that sets in and a terror that you're gonna put your child at risk. That's why it's so stressful. And it, it, there's something about it. I think it's, I think it's more difficult for me because my wife is smarter than me, but also I'm a bigger person than her. So my fingers are bigger. I can't get them down into those crevasses in the car where I need to pull the thing. I can't twist my body and get it into the space. It's just, it's so damn hard, so hard. And I don't know why the people at, at big car seat at Brytax or whatever brand is all fancy like that can't get us to a place where it's bang, bang, done. It's not that way. It's not. It's very hard. And these tweets hit out on this, a lot of the same things. Um, it's often traveling because at home, you just got the car seats and it's fine. They're set. But think about this. It's you're usually traveling and you're never had have endless time. It's never like, well, you know, I could probably spend the next 27 minutes putting this car seat. It's like, we're going to miss the flight. We're going to miss the show. Where, where the kids are starving, it's always a rush. So that stresses you. The the marital dynamic stresses you. Uh, the child safety and the child screaming and needing food stresses you. It is really hell on earth. It, there's, I can't think of anything in this little domestic life that I have with a wife and two kids that makes me more angry than trying to install a car seat. How stupid is that? I can do any... Kid got in trouble at school. Kid has too much screen time. Kid broke something. Kid spilled something. Kid hit something. All of that. I got it. I got it. But if you tell me, here is this children's seat and you need to fasten it safely into our automobile, I'm jumping off a bridge. I can't do it. And I like that I'm not the only one. If you feel the same way, will you reach out? This is not the family confessional segment. That's coming. But I feel like I'm purging here. And I do find it's hilarious and really vindicating that I'm not the only one. But we got to move on. We could talk car seats all day. Can you imagine Chris Mad Dog Russo trying to install a car seat? Can you imagine? I would like to see that. But until then, uh, all we have is him participating in a little segment that you know and love. And we call it Takes on Takes. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Into the octagon we go, uh, where the takes are harnessed, rather harvested by us, and then harnessed to use for content, where I give my own take on a take. I even give a ranking for that take. It's always a one-on-one matchup, and today, as I said, into the octagon, we have Mad Dog Chris Russo going up against the rest of the ESPN first take team, and the Mad Dog, this is really an all-volume matchup here, because I'm just going to tell you right now, We got the Mad Dog versus the Playmaker. I mean, it sounds like two pro wrestlers or American Gladiators or something. All volume edition of Takes on Takes. Mad Dogs is going to go against the the whole team. We'll take on the world about uh, Miami Dolphins 3-0 undefeated quarterback Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Go ahead, Doggy. I still got to see a little bit more of Tua because I knew Burrow was great. You know, we knew out of the LSU scenario when he won the championship, he won in Alabama, he scored 50 points against Saban's defense. It was his second year in the league. I thought that they had something with Burrow. So I got to see. What concerns concerns you about Tua? What do you need to see? His arm strength, his running ability. He's awfully small. And he's had, I I can't see him throwing deep balls in the middle of. Can I see more? He actually specializes in that, Dougie. That's not true. nonsense. His intermediate passing game is a because of his height in the I... pocket and throwing over oncoming defenders. But the point is throwing the deep ball, even from his days at Alabama, that's not a problem he had. He won a national championship. He had Devontae Smith. He had Devontae Smith. He had big players wide I'm open. Talking, we're opponent. talking about his arm strength. We're not, talking about, yeah. we're not talking about who he targeted. We're talking about his arm strength to get the football down the field. He does mm-hmm. have an arm. He yes, doesn't he have does. Herbert, but he doesn't have Herbert's arm. He Who doesn't does? have Burrow's arm. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't throw no, no, the ball no, no, like no, no. Herbert does. No, I agree. He doesn't have the strongest arm. I said, who does? Who has Justin Herbert's oh, arm? Like, that's, okay, you're, you're talking well, about that's aliens. that's what the championships are about, want, though. We're trying to win a championship. All right, a lot going on there. That that was that was uh, that was Russo, but it was also just. I like that Stephen A. just decided to take the microphone. He might as well have done it physically, and then you had Dominic Foxworth also in there. Uh, Russo, a little, I would say, out over his skis here. You know, it's funny to listen to him talk about something that is so incredibly contemporary, like Tua Tagovailoa. I think he does it almost begrudgingly. Like if you were to inject, <laughs> uh, but. Never mind Tua Tagovailoa. What about Lou Cinder, doggy? What about Cassius Clay? Then his volume would go up from like a four to a nine. He would come out of his chair. I think he really likes talking about the old-fashioned stuff. So he's here. It's it's a little floundering. I don't. And also, are we still on the Tua arm strength thing? 
I saw him get knocked out of the game under very strange circumstances, whether it's his head or its back or otherwise. Either way, he couldn't walk. He came back in the game and threw a laser to Jalen Waddle that split the safeties down the field and was his biggest throw of the game. Who cares if he can throw it as far as Justin Herbert or Josh Allen? Those are the guys. Fine, Mahomes. I don't even need that. I'm kind of over the arm strength to a thing because I've seen him now and he's made plays. I'm actually going to go and I'm going to really lower the Mad Dog's batting average. This is a three to me. That, that That's a three. I think it's the lowest rating I've ever given someone in this segment. And I don't like to do it, when, especially when you're talking about a Hall of Famer of takes like the Mad Dog. But that brings us to the playmaker, an actual pro football Hall of Famer, a guy that I've worked with several times. I consider him a colleague. Uh, I've broken bread with this man. His name is Michael Irvin. Uh, he was also on ESPN's first take, which is kind of like the the Alabama football program of churning out the professionals and the takes on take segment. I don't know what we would do without it. I really don't. Uh, but he likes the grittiness. I mentioned this yesterday. I like gritty cowboys. I'm, I'm so sick of flashy and fast cowboys. I like the Cooper Rush, Tony Pollard, Micah Parsons, gritty cowboys. And apparently Michael Irvin does too. Let's see if he can reach down deep and be gritty enough to beat a three- which she should be able to do with his eyes closed. Go ahead, playmaker. And what you're looking at on that defensive line is something. Finger licking good special. That's what I'm talking about. All five, they just be coming yep. rushing and just getting it a quarterback. It's finger licking good special. And we can get somewhere with that. I'm going to tell you this, too. I have been hurting because I have been having to tell the truth about how great Philadelphia look. And they do look great. And I said there is no chance. But with that Finger licking, pass rush. We do got a chance. We'll get a chance to get the feeling because we got that finger licking pass rush that is so good, and a pass rush can stop everything. Now, we should talk about C.D. Lamb. Did you know that number eight stands for new beginning? That's why. That's why 88 is so special. God knows I needed so many new beginnings, and 88s can take a new beginning. The Bible talks about men like this. They call them mighty men of valor. You might mess up, but you would do everything you have to do to make your mess up right. And that's what C.D. Lamb did last night. He did everything he needed to do to make his mess up right. Yes, I dropped the big pass, but I came back and I had a C.D. Lamb drive. You want to talk about a playmaker? That's a playmaker. He made the plays. And then the one-handed stab for the grab of the touchdown on the go-ahead. It's yep. what playmakers do. It's what 88. Mm-hmm. Nine. 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 I was going to give him eight because he's 88, but then at nine. The question, though, remains, though, do the Cowboys have a finger-licking pass rush or not? I did the math in the moi, 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 moi take, which doesn't mean anything, but who cares? It's fun to watch. We had 15 moi's, so he did three sets of five. That's one where you hit it, and then you're like, ooh, the people kind of like it, or the camera guys are laughing, or I'm getting an eyebrow raise from Stephen A. So I'm going to hit it again, again. And then he did a wonderful thing there, which I love. And remember, delivery is one of the main categories where he was doing the Michael Irvin up out of his seat and yelling. And then he stopped. He said, now, you have to get any totally changed volumes and changed directions. That's one of the greats. I, I say that as someone who gets very high volume sometimes in the media. You got to remember to bring it down. You got to show different notes. It's like, you know, it's, it's like an album. If you're doing the Metallica Black album, it can't just be all 
through the never of Wolf and Man. If you do, if you stop it with the Unforgiven, and then you can stop it a few tracks later with nothing else matters, that makes a compelling album. And that's what we just saw there. And that's not even me mentioning that Michael Irvin referenced the Bible. He didn't even need to do that. That 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 was that was really strong in terms of takes on takes. Remember, originality, delivery, and a little bit of heat. Now. I don't know that the heat was missing a little bit. It wasn't like some crazy take where he said, and I think the Cooper Rush is going to win a Super Bowl, or I think the Cowboys aren't going to lose another game. Now, that would have made it a 10. But with the mwum, mwum, mwum was with going to the scripture on Lamb, he could have said Lamb of God. That would have really taken it far. Uh, and then also just the, the volume change. That's why we do this segment. The real, the only loser in this segment, we're all winners. So the only loser is Chris Russo. Because he. I was expecting, like, this is what you want. This is your brady Rogers matchup. This is Jordan versus Magic. This is Bird versus Magic. This is two screamers on a Monday morning as the NFL season's really hitting its stride. And Russo just dribbled one back to the pitcher. Michael Irvin hit it 500 feet and flipped the bat and then went off and got a hot dog. Or actually probably something that would make him lick his fingers. One, 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 which he said 15 times. Michael Irvin, the winner by far. He tripled with his nine. He tripled Mad Dog's three. Doggy, take a lap. I know you'll be back probably the next time we do this we may even have an episode of takes on takes where there's a mad dog take versus another mad dog take which we'll get into but now michael Irvin rolls and with that we get into family confessional let's do it All right, so it's Wednesday. There was not a football game last night. There's not a football game tonight. Um, And let's just talk about the family game that we call Family Confessional. That is when you actually physically pick up the phone and call me at 252-4-BRANTS. That's 252, the number four, and then Brantz. And you say, look, here's the deal. I messed up. I was a bad husband. I was a bad mom. I was a bad son. Whatever it may be, I messed up. I do it all the time, constantly. I've told here stories recently of my son, Calvin, uh, pounding a weight claw that I just kind of left around. He just drank the whole thing, demon it was alcohol, loved it. I bribed my six-year-old to do her swim meet by saying she could watch two hours of Netflix, which worked instantaneously. I got all kinds of them, a lot. I'm probably committing many of them because I'm out of the country for a week and who knows what I'm neglecting at home. I hope not, but probably am. But it's not about me right now. It's about you. The phone number is there. You call and leave a message. And let's get to our first one. We have a Buffalo Bills fan, a female Buffalo Bills fan, who has a little story and maybe a confession that she would like to make about her niece. Let's hear it. My niece was about six years old. um, And this was like... Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know, like 10 years ago when the Bills sucked, so we had to find ways to entertain ourselves, I took her to her first Bills game. I mm-hmm. showed her other people table smashing, and she said, oh, I want to try it. She's six, right? So okay. the people, you know, put her up on the table and pretend that she smashes it. I, I think it was already broken, and she had a blast. I'm like, the whole crowd goes nuts. My sister was not yep. happy with me. Um, so for years... She, my niece, was jumping off of things onto tables um, just because she thought it was a good idea. She got suspended um, from middle school because she jumped onto a table, a folding table, like, in the lunchroom, and it she broke mm-hmm. it. So still to this day, in fact, I took her to the <laughs> Kansas City Bill, uh, Kansas City Chief, or the Chiefs-Bills game 
on uh, last yep. year for the playoffs. She jumped off at, at 16 years old. This girl jumps off an RV onto a table, smashes it, and breaks her kneecap, and then wobbles yeah. into the game, hobbles into the game, and says she's not missing it for anything. We took her to the ER the next day, and sure enough, her uh, kneecap was, like, fractured, and it was not good. Mm-hmm. But that's the table jumping game. That's it. I hate to see the kid get hurt. She's 16 years old now. A couple of takeaways from that. I guarantee you're her favorite aunt, probably your favorite relative. And um, that girl sounds like a party. I mean, she sounds really cool. I, I don't think that she's not going to have a successful life and start a family or get into college because she's a table jumper. Six years old, it's cute. She jumped on the table you thought was already broken. And uh, she loved it. She was a table jumper for life. These great table jumpers are not necessarily born. They're made. And I think it's like, a, you know, it's Buffalo Bills fans might be a little different. Maybe you remember your first beer or you remember uh, your first cigarette or something. I think probably as a Bills fan, you remember your first table. I've been to that stadium. I've seen them outside that place. It's really important. And as far as they're getting suspended... I mean, don't you get suspended in Buffalo if you don't jump on a table? Like, that that's that's like hitting the books and, like, yeah, playing Foursquare at recess or bringing your teacher an apple. That's almost expected. So I hate that she got injured, but it, listen, there's people I know who still ride motorcycles. And what they say about riding motorcycles is there are two types of riders. Those who have been down and those who will be down. If you ride a motorcycle long enough, you're going to put it down. What I mean by that is you're going to basically wipe out and you just hope it's not too serious, but it will happen. The table jumping game has gotten so extreme over the last few years, especially now because Bills fans are so excited. It, it, there's there's two types of table jumpers, the ones who have been hurt and the ones who will be hurt. And I hope I'm wrong, but I see these guys do like the double Jimmy Snooka backflip spread eagle off the top of their RV. I mean, they've got to be 20 feet up when they're landing on the table. I hope none of them get hurt, but it's probably inevitable, right? Plus, you brought her to a Bills game 10 years ago. You said the Bills sucked then. I don't know if that was like the EJ Manuel era or something like that. But what else was she going to be entertained by? The game? Jump on some tables. It's fun. I don't think you set this. I don't think it's like you gave this girl crack when she was six and set her off and becoming a junkie. I think you're a very cool aunt. I'm glad you confessed. But I would still say, look, she, she's a table jumper of a life now. That knee is going to heal up right back to jumping. She's got to work on the form a little bit. I, I, I don't have a real problem with the coolest aunt I've ever had called the show. Uh, another one, though. We have another female today, which uh, I like this. I don't know if this is going to be a mom or a grandmother, an aunt, a daughter, whatever it is. This is Pam, who reached out to us at 2524 Brant. Let's see what Pam has to say. Hi, Kyle. This is Pam from Buffalo, Bill's Mafia. Uh, I have a family confessional sure. for you there. Um, so my husband and I play a bunch of sports together, um, <laughs> mostly, uh, you know, like golf for the most part. And my family okay. confessional is that because I have played golf for a really, really long time, literally faked being sick to not play with him because I'm a much better golfer than he is. And I physically can't stand watching him wow. swing at times. Um, I know I am a horrible person. I'm a horrible wife for that. But <laughs> I just, uh, as a good golfer, um, some bad chips, uh, really bad chips, and some uh, really.
that Pam Oh, she loves golf, but because I think I'm not putting words in your mouth. I think I'm not putting words. In your mouth. Uh, she feels guilty about it. I think you're a great wife, Pam. I, I think that you're doing this because you don't want him to feel bad. And you're so much better than him. And you're clearly beating him. And maybe he's cool with it. Maybe he's secure about it. But I think that's the funny part. It's not really about him. It's about you. You're like, ah, his chips. They're just awful. He just sucks. And so when that's let's say it's like a Tuesday and your husband starts making plans, I don't know, honey, you think we can get 18 on Saturday morning? You're like, <coughs> I don't know. I, I think I'm coming down with something. Really? Really? What am I? What am I? What do you come? You got a, There's a bug going around. Uh, you need to do a, one of these nose swabs or anything. No, no, it's not that. I just want to throw up when I see your short game. That's what you're thinking inside. But instead, you actually fake it. You are like doing basically a Ferris Bueller on the golf course where you don't want to be out there. How bad could your husband be? Is it that bad? Because you sound like you're ready for the LPGA, Pam. I mean, it's, it, it is, I'll, I'll say this. It's very frustrating to play a sport with someone who is way worse than you. And I don't have a lot of experience doing that. But I've recently got into tennis, which, I don't know, there's a stick and ball type hand-eye coordinator thing that kind of goes into golf. I, I'm not good at golf either, but... And I'm not good at tennis, but I sometimes get matched up with where we play tennis of people who are really beginners and like they can barely put the racket on the ball. And it is annoying and you try to be nice about it. But, you know, you're like, I'm trying, you know, I only got one hour on Thursday to play tennis and I'm barely playing tennis because, you know, frankly, you suck so much. It's a little frustrating. I imagine if you were married to that person and they can see through your BS. That's an interesting dynamic. But I, um, I would just say maybe what you do. Um, I, you're in Buffalo, so once it turns to winter, you're not going to be golfing much unless you travel. Maybe, though, for Christmas this year, you get your, your husband some lessons because you don't want to – look, there are a lot worse things a wife can fake than uh, sickness to avoid golf. Believe me. So I've heard. Uh, but you uh, maybe you get him some lessons. The lessons really work in golf, in my experience. You get like a few good lessons that can take 10 strokes off, 15 strokes if you're a brand-new beginner. Get him some lessons for Christmas. It'll be a nice gift. It is a little patronizing. I grant you that, that my wife got me golf lessons, but maybe you can take them together and that, you know, we just weren't able to golf much this last fall because, you know, I kept just getting sick every time you got your clubs out. I would just immediately want to throw up like that girl in Knives Out. I thought we'd get some lessons together, honey. Maybe you go to an indoor range and there's an instructor. I think it's cool that you do that. I think it's cool that you feel guilty about it. You sound like a cool wife, just like the other was sound like a cool aunt. So, we're finding very cool people. Quick question for everybody out there. Is there anyone who wants to confess something who is not from Buffalo? I'm more than happy to take Buffalo calls. But there's there's uh, over 300 million people in the United States alone. And you can get Kyle Brandt's baseball worldwide. So I just wonder if there's anyone outside of Buffalo or anyone whose husband doesn't suck at golf. I, we, we can hear from you guys too. Uh, Pam and uh, cool aunt who taught her niece about the table breaking. Love you. If anybody else wants to call that number again, 252, the number four, Brandt. That's it. That's family confessional. And we end today normally with the dartboard, but I didn't bring it. I may be going to uh, Germany with the NFL for the next uh, international series game. So when I do, I will bring my dartboard so I can just hang it up in the hotel room. And I'm sure they'll love that when I miss. But since I don't bring the dartboard to randomly select a topic to end the show with, my producers have given me a thought and a question about London and England. And today's was, okay, I'm just seeing it now for the first time. Who should be the next James Bond? 
All right, so Daniel Craig, I think done, definitely done, right? Um, first of all, a couple of things. A lot of people are saying that the Idris Alba, Idris Elba, rather, not Idris Elba, who would be really cool and like just fits the profile and is like unbelievably charismatic and cool. And if he wants it, I've been hearing that rumor for years. Is he into it? Um, I'd be into it. I, I don't know if people would get triggered or something or the Karens would come out because James Bond is black. Like people are really pissed off that, that Ariel is black. I, I, I think I think it's cool. I don't think in those Sir Ian Fleming novels, I've never read them. I don't think it ever says James Bond is a white man. And whoever, if, even if it does, who cares? Then there was the uh, there was a push a ways back when uh, people wanted Charlize Theron to be uh, James Bond, which I guess they would change the name or it would be a woman named James. That was a little much. And she even said so. She's like, no, I'm, I'm not. She said, I'd rather commit to this character. She did this Atomic Blonde movie, which was really cool. So that was going to happen. I got to say, I, 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 here's my answer. I have never seen Tom Hardy do something that I was not captivated by. And that includes that terrible Reese Witherspoon, Chris Pine movie that he did. Can't take my eyes off in Peaky Blinders. Obviously, everything uh, playing Bane uh, in the movie Warrior, where he's the MM. I don't need to list all Tom Hardy's credits. Everything he's ever done with Christopher Nolan is amazing. Him as James Bond would absolutely kick ass. And he has a bizarre internet profile where there's entire threads of just devoted to pictures of Tom Hardy with his dog and just all sorts of silly, like um, kind of off the wall stuff. You think of a very serious actor. So, uh, Idris Elba gets it. I'll be there opening night to see the next Bond movie. Charlize Theron's not going to do it. It's not a woman. And it, even if it was going to be, she doesn't want to do it. And I would go with Tom Hardy. Again, pretty much undefeated. I'm trying to think of something he did that I don't like. I could probably come up with it. But if I can get through that stupid Chris Bond Reese Witherspoon movie, I'll get through anything. That's it. Guys, we got through the show. It's a Wednesday. Not a game night. Not anything. I have another show tomorrow here from London. If you're watching this online, I had a guy come up to me today and said, hey, I, I love the Carl Brown Spaceman. I thought, thank you so much. Thanks a lot. So if you're here, come and see us tomorrow. We're going to be down by the Tower Bridge. We have our whole set up there for Good Morning Football. We'll be there for three hours. And then I'll be right back here tomorrow evening in Kyle Brown's hotel room. I'm going to go get some room service. I'm going to get a robe on. It's going to be awesome. I am out of here. Um, guys, thank you. Love you. Talk to you tomorrow. Good job, guys.